Hey guys, welcome to the Neglected Podcast. This podcast is not to change your mind, but to invite you into somebody else's narrative. This is a podcast to give a voice to the neglected. It is also an opportunity for all of us to engage. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Neglected Podcast. My name is Nick Schultz. You can hit me up at Schultzy Time. We are at For the Neglected here at City Church with my man, producer Quinn. Thanks for being here, Quinn, as always. And we have a special guest today. Her name is Shanae Theus. What's going on, Shanae? Hi. Doing all right? Thank you for having me. Yeah. It is good to have you. (laughs) So appreciate you being here. You are actually friends of someone we've had on the podcast before and a co-worker of hers, Miss Gia. Yeah, yeah. So I'm always looking. You do love her. That's good. (laughs) I love her too. She's really awesome. So we're just looking for interesting people and people that would smile and be okay with coming on here, not knowing what to expect. And your name came up and I was like, yeah, I've met her before and I think it'd be cool. I don't know anything about her really besides what a couple (laughs) of her friends have told me, but I think she'd be great and would love to interview her and Boom, you said yes, and here you are, so yeah. thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. And you are self-proclaimed introvert and occasionally awkward, and, yeah. and yet you are still willing to talk to me. So yeah. that is that takes some courage. Yeah, So we, we appreciate that. <laughs> thanks. So we're just going to start with um, what life was like for you growing up. Where did you come from? What is your um, your background, your, your family background, and what was life like um, where you were from? Sure. Okay, so if I get really broad, just ask me specific questions. I will do that. Okay, Uh, so originally from Syracuse, New Mm -hmm. York. Um, Grew up there, mom and sister, and then moved down here in 08 to go to college. Doesn't snow here. And my aunt married somebody from Statesboro, so college was kind of like my excuse out of Syracuse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what kind of things molded who you were at a younger age? What were the, some of the things that you went through, whether it was <clears throat> how you how you looked, where your family was from, the, the neighborhood you grew up in, the school you're at? What were some of the big things that kind of made you who, who you were? Oh, man, probably could hit on like every single one of those things. I mean, uh, so high school was a cheerleader. Okay. Uh, it was like a it was like a mixed school, um, so that was cool, I guess. But I was a cheerleader. I was like an oddball to the cheerleaders because I was awkward as a high schooler too. So I liked being with the artsy kids, but I was one of the popular kids, I guess. But I didn't feel like a popular kid on the inside, if that makes sense. I really like that. <laughs> I like the people that are popular but don't feel like they're popular, yeah. <laughs> like the humble popular kid. That's, yeah, that's really cool. That's totally me. Um, And then I guess like my mom just like not, well, being a single mom, working all the time. So I worked a lot and then did cheerleading. So that probably is why I'm kind of like a workaholic now. (laughs) It's Hmm. because I'm just used to working. I think I started working at like 15, so. Interesting. It was, did you ever know your dad or did he like separate a certain time or what was that dynamic like growing up? I like, That one's interesting. So it's like I know him in a way. So my dad was, you know, being in the 80s, you get into crack, I guess. So he was a a crackhead. So he wasn't really around, but I was around his side of the family. So I knew them when I was younger. And then my, my mom got married to some Jamaican guy. We weren't allowed to see like our dads Mm. at that time. So it was just like us us four. So it was my mom, him, me, and my sister. 
So we, we really didn't talk to like any extended family. So kind of lost contact with a lot of people. So I don't know my dad's side like that, but we're still like in contact really through Facebook. Okay. Yeah. So your dad's side, Jamaican. Your your father was Jamaican? So my stepdad was Jamaican. Stepdad was yeah. Jamaican. My my dad is is black. Okay. Um he's like super, super light skinned. So I actually just got a uh one of the ancestry. Things. Oh really? So I yeah. Could, like, What'd you get? Yeah. I don't know yet. So okay. it's like sitting on my dining room table so I could figure it out. But um yeah, he's he's black and Native American though. Okay. And yeah. your mom was white? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mom's white from like the Ukraine. So, interesting. Yeah. That is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She's not from the Ukraine, but like my great grandma is. Okay. Yeah. And so so you're very light skinned as mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And how was that dynamic growing up? Whether you know you didn't realize it when you were younger just because you were popular and had friends and it didn't matter or did it matter where you identify as more with white kids or yeah with black kids or a mix or like how how did that play out or neither or neither yeah sure <laughs> more so sure like how'd that work yeah so it's 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 always an interesting thing because my 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 mom's white, obviously, dad's black, but never really got accepted like in my high school years, middle school years, elementary years, never really got accepted by like either side. Like, you know, all the, the black kids were like, especially because I, I talk more on the proper side, like, oh, your mom's white, you're not black, like you don't belong over here, like your hair is not like ours. And then the same on like the white side. So I never really fit in with like, either side. So my opinions about a lot of topics mm-hmm. are, I don't know, people like ask me my opinion and my opinion's completely different than everyone else's. So when it comes to race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. so I'm, well, how did you view it at, at that age? Like, did you want to fit in with either one or the other? Or were you just going to where it was most comfortable? Or like, how did that work? Yeah. For you? So, I mean, I guess because I guess it was like a mixture of two. So I went through probably phases of like both. Um, Like I would straighten my hair. I dyed my hair blonde. went through that whole phase. And then somewhere in middle school, I think I was just like, I straightened my hair one day and somebody was like, oh, I like you better with with straight hair. You look prettier with straight hair. I was like in, in my head, I was like, forget you. What are you saying? I look ugly every day. So I stopped doing anything to my hair. I like, well, I still dyed my hair blonde at that time, but I basically refused to straighten my hair. I don't think I've straightened my hair now. And like, really? yeah, it's probably been like seven years since I've straightened it and probably like 10 since I've dyed it. So I'm just like, I don't like to look one way anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just try to just be as like plain and generic as possible these <laughs> days. Could you tell how other kids or peers were identifying you as would they treat you more like you were like white or would they treat you like you were more black or was it just not sure well this this the same so like the white kids would treat me like i'm black the black kids would treat me like i'm white Hmm. so it's like if i straighten my hair it'd be like you're trying to be you're trying to be like a white girl why are you trying to be like that why do you talk like that um and then on the other side it'd be like a oh, you're not as, you know, you're not as like hood as other 
black people are. You're cool. I, I could say these racial slurs around you. Right, and right. it's like, no, no, you can't, though. Mm-hmm. So there, there, there was that growing up. But I think I experienced that part more when I moved here with, like, people saying, being comfortable around me saying, like, certain things. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I know a lot of times... When we're young, especially in someone in your situation, you're going to get racist comments, especially from peers and because kids are brutal. Yeah. But did you also, looking back on it, do you feel like adults were insensitive or prejudiced or had racially insensitive things to say around you too, whether they meant it or not? I don't know. Um, but I, I mean, I guess looking back, like I could see how I was treated differently than my sister. Cause my sister, um, we have different dads, but her dad's still still black, but she definitely has more like black features, like the the wider nose, the the like thicker coarse hair. So, I mean, I, I was definitely treated a little better a lot of the times than she was. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's tough. It's just, I think it's, it's hard in any situation when you're looking back at your younger years and and kind of reflecting on those it's like oh when that happened did that did that really mean that when i thought it meant that and that person right. was trying to mean this but they actually probably meant that and yeah especially in your your dynamic with um with your skin color and and your your parents and you know and then your stepdad was jamaican, was jamaican like, yeah. like you said but you said yeah. you weren't allowed to see him or that was your father so what wasn't allowed to see like my dad's side. Your dad's with, side. With my stepdad. Right. Yeah. But people would see you with your stepfather and your, your mother or. Yeah. Yeah. It, and that was always a thing too. Cause I guess I do remember just like being out with my mom and it just be my mom and us two girls. And we would definitely get like looks or people would think that like, you know, she's just babysitting us because mm-hmm. we don't really look like her i mean i kind of look like my mom now but we don't really look like her my sister especially doesn't look like her Mm. so yeah but i mean i i can definitely feel the effects of it now that i'm older so i i mean i date date everyone i've dated black guys dated white guys but i i definitely think it's a interesting dynamic when i do date white guys and i date white guys a lot so it's it's always like a, a, a insecurity of mine dating white guys and I don't know I'm just feeling like uh, like I'm just like you know just like the the black girl like yeah I dated a black girl once like sometimes I feel that way just like the token yeah <laughs> black girl yeah 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 so but getting over that part now yeah, that'd yeah. Be, I'm sure it'd be really tough is just wondering motive and right and, and those kind of things and well Going back to your your childhood and teenage years and stuff like that, what was what were some of the fallout, if any, with with kind of your father's situation? Did that did that bother you? Did you want to know? Did you were you angry about it? Did like something inside of you long for something that wasn't there? You know, how did you how did you navigate that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of accepted it when I was like younger because uh, he kind of was out of my life when I was really young. Like, I don't remember him being around when I was like five or six or anything like that. Um, I do remember not wanting to ever go see him. Like, I remember 
uh, I think my like great grandma or something like that passed away and I was with my dad's side of the family and comfortable with them. But then when it's like seeing my dad, it's kind of like, ew. And I mean, my mom didn't make it any better because it was always like, you know, forget your dad. He's nothing like. Mm -hmm. So it was very like bashing my dad probably deserved it because I heard some crazy stories about him. So I guess growing up, I was kind of like numb to it. And then more in high school, I guess more like in college, it affected me a little bit more because he tried to reach out. He was like in jail or something. So he was sober. So he would go through these like sober moments and he would like try to reach out. Through your mom or did he have direct contact with you? He got my number somehow. This was like when I first, first, first moved down here. So I'm like already going through this like transition. And he's like, yeah, I'm sober. I'm trying to do better and talk to you and and the other siblings. And I'm just like, I don't know. And then he disappeared again. Mm -hmm. So it was like, oh, typical. I do remember this one time me and my sister were, were walking down the street and this is my only interactions with him probably for like 10 years. He, we were walking down the street and he stopped and he was like, are you Sinead? I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, I'm Kim. I'm your dad. And I'm like, oh my goodness. okay, cool. And he was like, can I have 50 cents? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and then we just like went on our, our different ways. So that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. How old were you when that happened? I must have been like six, 16, 15, 16 when that happened. And that didn't mess you up for a little while. That's craziness. It, it probably irritated me for a little bit, but I think I was already so like numb to having feelings towards uh -huh. it. Cause I was, I don't know. I grew up in a very numb, I, I wasn't very emotional when I was like younger. So I, it was just like, oh, whatever. Yeah. But you yeah. weren't surprised to see him or is that something like you suspected it was possible because he was still in that area? I knew it could be possible. I mean, I don't think anybody wants to not have a relationship with her dad. But in the back of my mind, I just never thought that it would be good or healthy or more so that I just didn't feel like wanted. Mm. So, yeah. So you, you, you're mentioning coming to Savannah, but before that you uh, college, did you go to college in New York? I came, I came or here. Down here? Okay. Yeah. So I went to Savannah state and then ended up graduating from Armstrong. Yeah. Okay. And what are you coming to Savannah state for all the way from Syracuse? So I really wanted to go to an HBCU and I guess like just to, to experience something, I don't know, like cultural, I guess. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, let's let's go from there because Savannah is very different than, than Syracuse, New 100%. York. 100%. Sure. And I would love to kind of navigate what you first experienced and came across when you did come down here, but yeah. also where you're at now with it. And so as a biracial woman yeah. coming from Syracuse, New York with, with your background, um, and coming down here to Savannah, what was that first, whatever period of time, year or so often where you realize, okay, it is different down here and how different was it racially either with what you saw or just 
how you identify differently now mm-hmm. in this place compared to up there? Um, so being, in, I mean, it's like immediately different. You can just like feel that it's different. One, I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. Mm. And to know the history and all that stuff of like the campus and like parts of the city, like it's all great. Um, the peep, I don't know, it kind of felt like I was in high school again though. So it, the people were fine. There's nothing wrong with them all the way, I guess. But, but that, that high school thing, you're, you're mentioning more like the black and the white and just like how you're being viewed and being yeah. awkward again. I mean, I I guess, I, I mean, at Savannah State, I, there was not many like white or other than black people there, period. But I, I didn't, I didn't think I really felt like a lot of it personally. There would be things that teachers would say about like the, the man this, the man that, that kind of stuff that I thought was kind of like counterintuitive, counterproductive for like, Black people, that's a whole, I don't know. Nothing wrong with Savannah State, but there definitely were some things there that I would kind of like side eye at. Like in one department, you can't have dreads or you had to perm your hair. You couldn't, you had to look a certain way to pass the class at the end of the day and then to, to look more professional. So to look more professional, you had to, you know, dress a certain way, look a certain way. You couldn't have that same like, cultural dynamic hmm. and then at the other spectrum this where it, it was in my department um you would have teachers saying like you know don't give your ideas out to the man don't do your best in um at your internships because they're just gonna steal your ideas and the man this and the man that they don't have your back and like i don't know it's very extreme there but not 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 with everything because there were some like great classes and great professors, but I don't know. It was just different. It was just it Di- was it was very 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 different, yeah. Because it I yeah that's very awkward to be like white people are evil and then it's like well you know I'm like half white right yeah so, <laughs> so I mean yeah with that too because I'm sure you're gonna well, especially nowadays I mean you're gonna hear all sorts of stuff and mm-hmm. and do you find yourself more open to hearing what either side might have to say about race or defending like, hey, let's not just bash. Cause I do identify with both. And right. so like, I know people that are good over here and good right. over here and yeah. you wanna be defending and, and kind of choose that. You seem like you choose the positive out of people as opposed to like, not everybody's like that. Right. And, and I'm torn anyway, so. Yes, I am always like in the middle of everything. Cause I could. I see both sides of mostly all arguments and sometimes I just look at it as a practical thing and just take the, the, the racism, sexism, all that part out of it and just look at the practicality of, of everything. But then it's also times where it's like, yeah, well, black people have been oppressed for a very long time. So do you really blame people for acting this way, that way? So I don't know. I also try to stay out of it because I also feel like I don't, I know, which I guess this is like the first time I'm like saying this out loud. So it's, it's weird for me to say, but I, because I don't feel like I belong to either side, I feel like my opinion doesn't matter. Mm. So there's that. So I kind of just stay out of most of 
that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's natural though. And I wouldn't say it's it's good, but people who, when you feel like your opinion doesn't matter, yeah, then you are just not gonna say it because especially when you're at a, such a small percentage of who's gonna identify with it mm-hmm. when people are <clears throat> so identifying with one side over the other, whether it's a, a gender thing, a race thing, a right. political thing, when you're in the middle, but all the loudest voices, the majority of people are on the outsides and it's, yeah. then you're just like, what is the benefit right now? Especially if you don't feel like you're being heard. Right. Where to me, like someone like you and people that are more in the middle and have both both sides of it and they care about it or they literally are that, like those are the people that we should listen to a lot more <laughs> because they yeah. can experience and identify with both, both sides of it. And, you know, do you have people that do care that you can talk to about those things or is it just like, yeah, I don't even, I don't even like to talk about that stuff. I don't like talking about that stuff personally. People still ask me questions and also put my two cents in, but I don't really like talking about it. You don't want to speak for other people either? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and I think that's a lot of it is because, I guess because because we are so divided, like all I can say when people ask me about like what black people think about this, it's like, well, definitely can see what they're saying. But at the same time, I know I was brought up differently and treated differently because my mom's white, because my hair is like what it is. And because I'm light skinned, I know I was treated differently. So I can't imagine what it'd be like living like a black man. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so I can only speak from my experience. And so what you're asking me, like when people ask me about racist questions, unless they're specifically talking about like being mixed, I I feel like I I can't speak for black people because I haven't experienced that same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as a professional woman, what do you see, whether it's just here in Savannah or general of, you know, one, it's being a female, Mm -hmm. but also being able to see like the the female side as a white woman or a female side as a black woman in the profession, professional world. We'll get to where you're, what you're doing now, but just as a professional woman, do you see differences in how women are treated based on skin color or their or the race or ethnicity in the field that you're in? I don't know if I feel it. I always question it in the back of my head, especially being like uh, younger mm-hmm. um, and and you know, a lot of my clients are are older. So it's more like when I go into, obviously, and we talked about me being like a little on the anxious side, like when I go into appointments, especially especially with like older, successful white people, Mm -hmm. like it's it's very much like, are they going to like me? Like, are they going to like take me serious being like, you know, a a colored woman in this field? Like, will they trust me? Then I kind of have to just like push that out of my head. Like, you're a professional. You're you're, Mm -hmm. you're good at what you do. Like, it's going to be okay. And what you're thinking in your head is probably all in your head. Yeah. So. Yeah. But you haven't had any bad experiences. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's good. No, 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 no. No. It's that it's just like a, a, a mind thing at that point, but I haven't experienced it. Yeah. Well, we're being around the bush, but you're you're a realtor. Yeah. So you somehow, you know, you transitioned from college, you stayed in Savannah. And how did that journey happen to, to get to where you are and where you're working now? Uh, so went to college, 
graduated English communications. I knew that I wanted to do real estate probably like five, five or six years ago. Um, I thought you were going to say five or six years old. Oh, no. Like that's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. I'm just looking at people's houses and telling people how they can purchase them and they can. Yeah. (laughs) I think I wanted to be a cop when I was five, but. Yeah, that's just because of Roseanne, but that was that that that's a whole different story. Oh, that's another story. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, sorry. Um, no, it's okay. Uh, Five or six years ago. Oh yeah, I wanted to be wanted to be a realtor. Uh, there's just something really cool about like just seeing so many different people and just learning the history of houses, um, in different neighborhoods and watching them change and just being a part of that and then a part of like. I guess five or six years ago, I didn't realize how big of like an impact you have on somebody's like life. And like that, I think that's what I like about it most, mostly now is that I'm like, this, it's kind of like a big chapter to buy your first home, to buy your dream home, your, your retirement home. So to just be like a part of that and like help people is really special. And I think when I first started out, it was more so like architecture, cool houses. Mm-hmm. Pinterest, yeah. like that, it was that kind of stuff at first, but. Yeah, especially in Savannah, there's so many different unique homes, but there's also different unique areas too. I yeah. mean, you've got, I don't know where your full range is, but you've got some really expensive, nice homes, mm-hmm. nice gated neighborhood communities, and you've got some really challenging neighborhoods with, with broken down homes, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of in-between. Some of mm-hmm. them are racially segregated a little bit, depending on where you go, and Savannah itself has a, if you research and look into it, like there's a deep racial history here too about where different places are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, how has that been for, for you just un- discovering all of that? You know, so it's definitely an interesting thing, um, especially in the locations that are being revitalized, mm-hmm. gingerfied, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's, it's really hard to have, I do have an opinion and I see both sides of it again. Cause it's like, I see how, you know, these investors are going into these areas and they're, yeah, they're, they're beautifying it, but they're also kicking people out and not giving them their, their, what, what they should be giving them, um, for their house in my opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. It, it, it definitely sucks that people aren't educated to know that they have this piece of equity that they should hold on to because it's just going to keep um it's going to keep growing and they can do things to hold on to it and to pay things off and to fix it back up to make it like nice um yeah I don't really know where I was going with that. Well, I mean, it's not an easy. Yeah. It's not an easy. Yeah. Solution, all that stuff, and there's so yeah. many different factors at play. But yeah, love seeing certain parts be more beautiful, but yeah, like real lives get changed too, and how much right. with a little bit of help could those lives maybe stay there and right. both kind of happen? And you know, not here for any fit to give a solution, but just in your world, like you kind of see a. Like you said before, I, I get to be involved in helping people's lives mm-hmm. really change for the better a lot of times, but there's also the other side of it where sometimes you see those things where it's just like, right, not, not so sure about that. Yeah, yeah. And I've definitely have seen that side too where somebody was 
where someone was taken advantage of maybe on, on the other side because they definitely could have um, gotten more for what they were given when they did sell their house because they did it like the whole off-market thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I guess I, I live in one of those areas that are being kind of like changed changed over now. And it's, it is kind of nice to see like young people, 24, 25, young families just like buying these houses and making these investments and just like thinking about their future. So it's like, I don't know. I, I, I see both sides. It mm-hmm. makes me excited because I, I see the change and I'm involved in the change. And when people just like fix their house up and they stay there, it makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, where you're at now too, like what what is your interest level in, you mentioned your dad and you know, where you're at right now, is that something that you still think about? Are you open to ever talking again or, you know, certain side of the family and, and where are you with that? And do you care? Cause a lot of what you've been sharing is like, I stay right here. I keep my opinion myself. I don't try yeah. to get in too far over here and there. Yeah. And you're positive and you're kind of focused on the good and moving forward. And yeah. that can be a very heavy weight from the past. Like, does it interest you in, in, or it- not? does not interest me. Uh, Most connections with my family don't interest me. There are definitely people who have been there from like day one that have like, like, I mean, like my aunt was definitely like more of like a mom for sure, Uh, like emotionally supportive more so. So like, I stay connected with her. I, everyone else I might talk to once every couple months, but I've learned over the past couple of years that even though someone's your family, it doesn't matter all the way. They like if if somebody's the victim, they're always going to be the victim, and it's not my role, job, or duty to be a peacemaker. I was a peacemaker as a kid, and I don't need the weight of somebody else's mm-hmm. stress mm-hmm. on me. Yeah. So I just avoid family. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, if I say family, like you think of it very differently maybe than I think of it. Are you thinking like people that aren't even technically in your family, you consider them more, more family. Like if I needed something or if I'm going to spend a holiday with somebody, like it's going to look different, a lot different for me than it is yeah. other people. So, it's so when you think of family i mean i think of the same thing like mom dad i want i want a healthy family so it's i just feel like it's like up to me to like create it i don't ask people for help really Mm -hmm. which is like one of the things that i work on but um i mean just being with my friends my my friend group they're very supportive like-minded so mm-hmm. yeah i get I'll it do, yeah it's, not, stuff with it's not easy yeah until until it's time for to make a family but yeah till then until then until then i'll just do salmon for thanksgiving and that's fine <laughs> <laughs> sounds good <laughs> yeah sounds good and simple yeah 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 well just one of the one of the things i wanted to ask you too is like this this past year has been really crazy for everybody mm-hmm. obviously because of covid but also because of just our political climate but even even the racial climate and 
you know, I don't need specifics or like, you know, certain for you to say certain things or give me a point of view about everything, but just like, what has this year been like for you, especially navigating those kind of hot button issues at a national yeah. level where like nobody mm -hmm. can escape it. Like it's, it's around everybody. And again, right. you are in the middle and whether you want to speak about something, like you still feel something. Right. And so it does affect us all differently. And especially people that, mm -hmm. you know, are in that place where it's like, okay, it doesn't matter what I say, but I also don't want to say anything. But at the same time, like it, it yeah. might hurt or, you know, might bother me or like, what, what's it been like? So it's, it's definitely been interesting, especially with like the, like the political stuff. Um, Cause I do have friends that are on the opposite side of me. Uh, not that, not many, but there are people with like different views as me. And it's very interesting to just like have a conversation and like not get like overly passionate or overly like hot-headed and not like listen to the other person. So I don't know. I feel like I've actually grown closer to people with having just like conversations like you and I are having right now about politics and, and racism. It's very interesting to like hear and understand somebody else's like perspective and, mm -hmm. and point of view. Just with all the hot button topics, I think it's very interesting. I like listening to people's point of views. Yeah. 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 I just wonder because like you like listening to other people, but mm -hmm. you know, do you feel like other people really want to listen to you or you're just that natural good listener? Hey, she's the friend that she'll always listen to your opinion, but how come we're not, nobody's getting her opinion on, on stuff and, and yeah. you are the whole year just like. <laughs> I, just keep, I keep my, I usually honestly keep my opinion to myself. If somebody asks me, that's fine. I'll tell them, but I'll ask you like a million questions before I say anything <laughs> about my own opinion. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your honesty in that. And you know, I appreciate you coming on here when you're, you know, have a hard time maybe sharing certain things. Yeah. And, you know, I really appreciate you being vulnerable in that because I, do feel like you know your story means something to a lot of a lot of people who are that same way and you know a lot of, a lot of times when we end the podcast it's for that very reason it's mm -hmm. that you're sharing something that can impact a lot of people you know your father's situation is mm -hmm. really tough and for other people it's a really tough situation kind of that broken home or the dad who's never around or whether i want him around or not like it's still right. crappy it's gonna affect you yeah right it does yeah. affect you and you know the race thing and mm -hmm. and what you're going through and have been through and where we're at now. But, you know, what would you, the challenges, what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's just, just listening to this? They don't have to be someone's best friend to go in there and, you know, do something huge and dramatic, but, you know, someone who's been through what you have with, with your dad and that, that family dynamic mm -hmm. or the, the racial thing and kind of being stuck in the middle and having a hard time on both sides. Yeah. Like what, what kind of little tangible thing could somebody do just as a friend or just seeing someone go through that, that really makes an impact in their life to make them feel like, Hey, you're, you're loved or like I'm there for mm -hmm. you. Or it's just, you know, it helps. When it comes to things to do, I guess it's like, just be around positive people who like love and support you unconditionally. Um, and when I say unconditionally, that's like a, like you can be yourself around this person 100% and not need to like pretend to be this way or pretend mm -hmm. to be that way. Cause that I think is, is very hard. And I think especially when you don't 
come from a good family background, I guess, you you do have like your little battles with like self-worth. So just like whatever you're going through, just knowing that you're you're loved and you're on the path that you're supposed to be on. And yeah, and just reminding yourself that you're worthy of success, friendships, love, family, in whatever vision that you have it. Mm-hmm. Um, just doing what you want. Just not, not living somebody else's dream. Do your own, live yeah. your own. Yeah. And so then the challenge is for someone who isn't that person, like be that person for someone else. Right. Especially, yeah. you know, if they haven't, especially if you haven't experienced what they have before, it's like just be that person to love them unconditionally, mm-hmm. listen unconditionally yep. without fixing, judging, and yes. give them that safe place to. Yeah. Because I think we assume like everybody has that. And yeah. the unfortunate part of what I'm finding out is true. a lot of people don't mm-hmm. can have a ton of friends or acquaintances, whether it's in work or, you know, social settings. And it's just like, but very few people like know me or want yeah. to know what my point of view is when I'm I'm yeah. in here. Like mm-hmm. you may be over there, but I'm just like right here and they've been friends for ten years and you've never wanted to know. Yeah. Like you don't know my favorite color. Yeah. yeah that's I definitely feel that one one hundred percent. So I for a long time I always thought that people needed to like understood my mind or like why I do the things that I do or why I have this opinion or why I don't have an opinion. And I don't really care now, Like I don't care if you understand (laughs) me now. And I think that's why I become so unopinionated with like a lot of things because I don't, I, it's like, I know my opinion. I don't care. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it does make sense. And you know, I think a lot of that might've started at an early age too, where it's like you had to, you know, I think the word that that comes back to my mind, you said very early on was numb. Mm-hmm. I had to, I just kind of numb certain things mm-hmm. in order to get by because of, you know, either the father situation or the race thing. Cause it was just like, you know, if I, if I don't numb it or I, you know, pe- kids my age aren't going to be asking me like to share my feelings and just sit there and listen to me yeah. and want to know both sides. So you yeah. do, you do numb it. And yeah. that does affect you as an adult Mm -hmm. and not necessarily like saying that's a negative thing but it's just like a small coping mechanism to deal with other issues when you get older of like okay i'm not gonna put myself out there if it's not gonna be listened to fully and not cared for fully you know it's just like not gonna do it yeah and so you know we, we take those small things with us but like you said the challenge is it doesn't matter how old you are whether the kid is really young going through that or it's somebody in their mid twenties who's in the time we're living right now, like if you genuinely can just be there and love and listen, mm-hmm. like that can be super helpful Yeah. for them to a, have a relationship like that. Finding a mentor. There you like, go. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's probably number one, I would say. <laughs> Good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll put your contact information out so that, you know, everyone can call you to be their mentor and uh, <laughs> yeah. work through all that. You know, if you buy a house, then you'll get a mentoring hour with with Shanae. So you get therapy sessions for free. Yeah, buy a house, free hour of therapy and mentoring. I think we got a great deal going on here. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story. And um, yeah, 
it's really good. I think it's going to be helpful for people to hear it. And for people who okay. haven't taken the time or wanted to ask the questions about some of the stuff in your life, like yeah. now you can share that with, with some of your friends and you're putting it out there for them to hear and listen if they want to or not. So yeah, appreciate you doing that. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Shanae, for being here. Thank you, Quinn, for producing. We are at Four The Neglected, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Bye.